Welcome to Americana One. This is Ken Paulson, and I'm delighted to be sitting here with Emily Scott Robinson. We are on the Kayamo cruise, which is uh, an amazing musical experience, um, and people have been coming to this, I, I think it's probably 15 or 16 years now. I know we first arrived here about 2012. It's, it's one of the best music cruises anywhere. And uh, one of the very cool things about it, Emily, is that they actually let relatively young and unknown talent on on the cruise and you are the beneficiary of that so tell me <laughs> tell me how you broke through all that competition oh and got God. to be on this cruise i this is it, it is such a cool thing um sixth man which is the company that produces these really amazing music cruises runs a competition for kayamo it's called the soundcheck competition and they pick 10 up-and-coming young artists in the industry and then everybody on the vote votes for who they want. And there's two rounds of voting. And I've been wanting to come on Kayamo for years <laughs> and hoping I could break into it. And it took me several years to get into Soundcheck. And then um, when I saw the finalists in the competition, I said, okay, I know a lot of these acts are bigger than me, they have management or they have record labels, but nobody is going to work as hard as I am <laughs> to get this out to, to my fans and to get people to vote for me. And I did. I worked my butt off um, to share my music with the people on the boat and to kind of win them over. <laughs> and so um, the winners were me and then uh, the group, Them Cooley Boys, and then also the amazing bluegrass group, Della May, the bluegrass women super group. <laughs> And was it like the New Hampshire primary that you, you watched the polls as, oh, yeah. as they went along? And you... There's this Facebook group that all the Kayamoans are on. And uh, so I would just, you know, post a little video every day and say, my husband and I have never been on a cruise before. We would love to come on Kayamo. Here's a link to my music. <laughs> so trying to play, use every tool I had. <laughs> well, clearly successful. Thank you. And, uh, but you know, it's not just about your techniques and marketing. It's you have uh, a really, really well-received album called Traveling Mercies. Yeah, thank you. And I think Kayamo is a is a boat full of people who love songwriting, and that's the thing I care about the most, and and that's what I try to do on my on my new record. So, among the other mentions of your of your album, comes one from Rolling Stone Country. That identifies you as you know one of the most promising talents. This is the same publication, not Rolling Stone Country, but Rolling Stone. That 50 years ago would have said that about Joni Mitchell. So. Oh my God, <laughs> I know it was a serious. Seriously, I've been pinching myself this year <laughs> in a major way. Well, what I I, you know, I love your energy and and uh, your passion for what you do. Didn't a high school guidance counselor pull you aside and say? You know, Emily, this is not a great career. You should be in science. You should be in medicine. <laughs> I have to tell you, in high school, I was playing the clarinet. And I was in the marching band and the wind ensemble and the jazz band and the orchestra. And I thought I was going to be a musician, but not this kind of musician. And I actually I won a music scholarship to my college on the clarinet. And I got there. And I was thrown into this experience that was really like, a, almost like a conservatory. 
I was expected to practice the clarinet for hours a day. And it was this proving ground for me because I realized I did not love the clarinet enough to practice for three hours a day. And I would sit in these practice rooms, which are intentionally kind of bare, and there's just a piano and a bench and uh, a music stand. And I would sit actually at the piano and just make up stuff and write songs. And I try to procrastinate from practicing the clarinet. So I just, I understood at some point that that was not the path I wanted to take. And so I got a degree in history and Spanish in college and I became a social worker. And that's what I did until my mid twenties when I had the epiphany that I loved performing and I loved playing guitar and singing. And I wondered if I had the capacity to write decent songs. <laughs> I um, I'm sitting here with a for those who cannot see this, uh, and, and if if you do see this, you've got a really magical radio. But just struck by how youthful you are to be saying when I was in my mid twenties. <laughs> <laughs> People regularly think I'm like nineteen years old. <laughs> just, just go with it. Thank you. I'm gonna tell my mom she gave me good genes. <laughs> so um, let's actually hear the title cut. This is Traveling Mercies. I've been praying so hard, praying so hard, praying so hard, might shatter my heart. I sing traveling mercies, my lover, my friends, traveling mercies till I That was Traveling Mercies from the, the aforementioned album of the same name. We're sitting here uh, with a winner of the Keamo competition. It's kind of like, uh, uh, what would be com comparable to, um, let's see, some reality show competition where people end up dead and maimed. And it's, it's, a, yeah, tough, it's exactly. a tough competition. Yeah. Maybe the folk version of yeah. The Voice. <laughs> yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure people get dead and maimed in that show. <laughs> well, Emily Scott Robinson is here with us, and uh, we want to talk about your approach to songwriting, especially as somebody who, until your mid-20s, wasn't mm -hmm. certain you had any aptitude for this. Completely. Yeah. Uh, How did you figure that out? I went to a, a songwriting camp called Song School, uh, it's put on every year by Planet Bluegrass, which is a wonderful organization out in Colorado, and they host various folk and bluegrass festivals, including the famous Telluride Bluegrass. And they have a wonderful week-long songwriting camp. And there are these great teachers. In fact, uh, Mary Gaucher from Nashville is one of the teachers at Song School. And um, I had a friend say to me, you got to come to this thing. It's amazing. Uh, and I didn't have the money when she told me about it and a couple of years later I was feeling burned out from my social work job and I said I'm going to take a week off work and I'm going to go to this songwriting camp I don't I was at this crossroads in my job as a um, at, at a women's resource center for victims of domestic violence and sexual assault and I'd been in that job for about a year and a half and I just didn't have any battery left in me 
And so I thought, well, maybe I'm, I'm just going to go check this out, see how it is. And that week, I was given the roadmap towards songwriting. I just, I don't know why, but when I was younger, I assumed that songs just came out of people, finished. So I just assumed that Joni Mitchell and Bob Dylan never wrote a bad song, that everything just came out of them like poetry. And surely that cannot be true. <laughs> um, and so I learned this process for songwriting, um, that it's okay to write songs that aren't good and, and to have rough drafts and to get stuff out and to work on it and to edit it. And that songwriting is really a lot more about allowing yourself to be less perfect and then going back and editing and cutting the things that aren't working. Um, and so, yeah, that's where I started. So anytime you feel insecure about your talent, mm -hmm. I want you to go to uh, probably Amazon, it's the best place to find it, and look up Paul Simon. And they have just released Paul Simon's solo records, pre-Simon and Garfunkel. Wow. And it's, he was, his name was Jerry Landis, and he is <laughs> writing and singing all these songs um, that are basically what you would expect someone to write in 1957. Um, and it's a lot of teenage longing. Oh my God! And, and, and then you see him leap from, from being kind of Fabian uh, to, to, to being, you know, Sound of Silence. And it's a, it's a three-year period, and he becomes... The Paul Simon. So it's amazing. It takes time. It takes practice. It takes getting it wrong. <laughs> it takes um, yeah. It, it's okay to to fail and be a beginner and get better at it and work on the craft. It's the only way to do it. And I think I for years I was just afraid of being a beginner. Well, that's being a beginner is is. I mean, a lot of beginners never get beyond that point. Yeah. So you're clear, you're, your writing skills have clearly developed. Thank you. <laughs> so As the daughter of a writer, she would be happy to hear that. <laughs> so let's move, uh, let's go back to, yeah. to, the, to the most, the new album, really. And, um, and I know that you live in luxurious quarters. Yes, yes, a 36-foot Class A motorhome with two slide-outs. <laughs> well, that has to explain why there's a song on the album called Westward Bound. That's exactly right. Um, four years ago, my husband and I quit our last day jobs. We moved into this motorhome that we bought, and we drove west. And that's when I launched my touring career, and when I started playing shows. And uh, Westward Bound is kind of this, almost like a, a film <laughs> of the, the trip out west, um, stopping at these driving through these small, small towns in Texas, stopping at a diner where, you know, I love, I love really paying attention to places like that when I go in there, and you can see that there are men in there, and, you know, Carhartts have become very fashionable now, but you're seeing men out in West Texas who are in their 70s who've been working on ranches their entire life, and they're wearing Carhartts not because they're cool, but because they're durable <laughs> and um you know with just like sun wrinkled faces coming in and getting their breakfast every day and um, the waitress knows who they are and I, I have a really soft spot for those places and those people and that's what that song is about here is westward bound from the album traveling mercies stop for breakfast in the middle of west 
West Texas Had a diner stuck in time Where old men read the paper Drink their coffee black Every morning of their lives A waitress knows them all by name Got their orders memorized And this is the America That the interstate left behind was Westward Bound, uh, a soundtrack of sorts for Emily Scott Robinson and her traveling ways uh, off your first album. And um, if people wanted to, to purchase Traveling Mercies, where would we send them? So I, you can go to my website, it's emilyscottrobinson.com and there's a store and you can buy my, my physical album as well as vinyl. Uh, and then if you want to buy a digital version, you can do that on iTunes. I do have to let you know that since I'm on a boat this week, well, <laughs> I can't send them out this week. <laughs> so well. shipping will be delayed. But by the time you hear this, I'll be back on land. <laughs> so. We can only hope that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. We're counting on being back on land by the time people <laughs> hear this. Um, and if we're not back on land, that this recording is not getting back online. Yeah, it's know. true. Yeah. Um, people sometimes, when they send me a message through my, my website or they order something and I respond, they go, oh my goodness, how nice of you to respond. And I laugh and I'm like, well, who do you think is running this? <laughs> so, well, yeah. Do you know the ar artist Steve Goodman? Yes, yeah. So Steve and John Priner were tied at the hip and uh, we grew up, I grew up, my wife grew up in the Chicago area, and so they were patron saints. You know, when we were in high school, yeah. we would go see John Prine, Steve Goodman. Anyway, I came across a, a box in my collection the other day, and it is a postcard from Steve Goodman, explaining me to me how I can order his record. Oh my God! <laughs> he had he had just moved to doing his kitchen. You know, they were really the birth of indies in America. Yeah. And yes. Folk. Yeah. And so you know, you had. I had no idea. I just wrote him a note, and he was very helpful to me. So. It's amazing. It's a tradition. Wow, what a what an awesome thing to keep to find. Yeah, That's incredible. A, he was a favorite. I was a just as today. I was a music journalist in the mid seventies, and uh, and Steve treated journalists really well. I, I, I can remember waiting for him through sound check, um, and thinking, oh, there's not going to be an interview, and he just took me to dinner, which was. Well, That's cool. amazing. Yeah. No pressure on you. Well, I was going to say, my mom is a journalist um, and has been my whole life, and so I always felt a great kinship towards journalists, yeah. um, as well as public school teachers. My dad is one of those, and so um, I always, whenever I meet a journalist or a public school teacher, I want to say thank you for your service, <laughs> because so they're tough jobs. Where was, Where is or was your mom a journalist? Uh, in North Carolina, where I'm from, in both Winston-Salem, where I was born, and also Greensboro. The local papers. Yeah, yep. And when she was my age, she was a crime reporter. <laughs> so, 
so she was covering all sorts of crazy things. Yeah. And, when, and when I was your age, I was a crime reporter. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's pretty much how it works. <laughs> Well, when we're done here, if you give me your mom's number, we can catch up. Uh, absolutely. I have to tell you, my mom and I both love crime podcasts. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we listen to them like we're total junkies. <laughs> well, we are uh, We are talking to Emily Scott Robinson and clearly having a very good time and losing the entire track we were on. The thread. We're supposed to be selling <laughs> millions of your record. Uh, and one of the other things um, that makes a, a young artist distinctive and hopefully impactful is when you write about a subject that is timely, that is, yeah. if you will, right out of the yeah. news news headlines. Absolutely. And you've got that with the dress. Can you talk about that, please? Yes, I will. Um, I was uh, sexually assaulted when I was in my early 20s, so about 10 years ago. Um, I was date raped and slipped a drug in my drink at a bar. And uh, I, it took me a long time to understand what had happened to me and to process it through therapy. Um, and then I wanted to write about it and I wanted to put it into a song, but I wanted to be very careful with it and to take my time. And I had started on the song, I had the bones of the song done when the Me Too movement hit. And um, this is timely right now because the Harvey Weinstein is, is in his trial in New York right now. Um, the Me Too movement gave me, showed me that there were ways to speak out about this that would, you know, where I would get a lot of good and positive feedback and support. Because I thought, well, I can write this song, but I don't know if I can ever perform it. And so, um, so I wrote, the song is called The Dress. It's about my experience in the, in the aftermath of trauma and confusion after I was assaulted. And uh, the thing, I wanted it to be a song of service to other survivors of assault, and it has been. And the thing that makes me happiest, happiest, happiest in my life is I get messages all the time, probably a message, several messages a week from other survivors who say, I found your song, and it means so much to me. Thank you. When you're performing live, do you tell the story before you perform the song? I do usually. I will say something along the lines of, this is a Me Too song, this is about my experience, and I will sing it. Um, and I had a woman hug me a couple weeks ago, and she whispered into my ear as she was hugging me, we all have stories we've never told. Wow. And I thought, whoa, that hit me right in the chest. So. Was it the dress I wore? Was it the wine? He poured, was there some sign I ignored? Was there even time to run from that storm? So you've had kind of a really a do-it-yourself career in some respects, yes. especially your your mode of transportation. And <laughs> yes. Um, do you have like a, a master plan over the next decade? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you know, I believe in really enjoying the moment that I'm in and walking through the next open door. I look a lot at musicians who are in our genre 
in Americana and folk and, and, and I say, well, that looks like something I would want to do. Uh, I want to be able to tour, to continue to tour. I would like to have a family. Um, and I want to remain true to the creative process. And uh, I believe if I trust in those things and hold those values at my core, that I will know what I need to do at every juncture. So in 10 years, I don't know what my job will look like. I don't know how famous I might be. Um, but I do know that I, I feel destined for this and that I love it. And there's so much energy around this career path for me um, that I know that I know that I meant to be of service in a big way to the world. Well, that's a, a very healthy way to approach. Thank you. <laughs> and you're, you know, it's we've learned about with the internet really is that there are a lot of talented people in the world. Yeah. Um, and and we're from Nashville, so we every third waiter we meet is <laughs> right. could be the could be the Americana king back in Dubuque, but it's, right, exactly. it's highly competitive. Yeah. And the ones who the ones who make out the best are people who are talented and tenacious. Yes. And it sounds to me like what's happening with you. Yeah, you have to know in your heart why you're doing it and and you have to be your your excitement for it has to be able to um, absorb the low points. And I had somebody tell me once that no does not mean never, it just means not now. And I've always held that and believed that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so now that I'm heavily invested in your career, uh, <laughs> are you going to incorporate the clarinet into your work? Oh my gosh, I need to because um, Lizzo is playing the flute everywhere she goes, and I'm like, I gotta, I gotta pull out the clarinet. I have it. I have my two thousand dollar French wooden clarinet. <laughs> with you now? It's not with me on the bus, <laughs> um, but I have it in the RV, and I'm like, okay, I gotta do this. You know, Birds of Chicago, uh, Allie plays the clarinet, which is very cool. Um, so, well, I have to confess that I I once played the clarinet too. I did. Um, I could tell. That's yeah. why we're friends. <laughs> yeah. I gave it up after a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because there was no tenacity, but, <laughs> so I uh, but I I really didn't. I learned I didn't like it and yeah. didn't, didn't have a commitment in about four days, and I I had to explain to my dad that I di didn't care how much he loved Benny Goodman. This, <laughs> this was not going to work for me. But, oh God! But so I'm glad you stuck with it. I think you, it ought to go into it ought to you know. I think I need to. It'd be pretty unique. Yeah, it would be very cool and. Um, yeah, it was such. A, I I believe now that something that helps my songwriting is the many 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 years I spent immersed in on in classical music. Right. It absolutely helps me. It feeds everything that I do. And so, I used to think, I wonder why I played the clarinet for so many years. I spent so many years practicing, and I think, you know, it it's all a part of the journey now. <laughs> well, speaking of journey. Uh, Traveling Mercies is out, and you're out promoting that and uh, and showcasing your talent. I really hope that we can have a conversation a year from now where you have not had to win a contest to get on the boat. That would be a real positive. <laughs> I know. I hope so, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Uh, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, and Ken. We wish you the best. This is Americana One and Ken Paulson. We've had a terrific conversation with Emily Scott Robinson. Check her out when, uh, as she travels across the country, watch for a, a relatively large vehicle on two lanes of highway. <laughs> yes. Or easier, just look her up on the web and check out her website. This is Ken Paulson, and thank you for listening. Our thanks to Erica Nalo for her always sterling production and to Dave Paulson for writing the theme music. This is Americana One.